Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 42, verses 1 through 9. Hear the word of God. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says, the God, says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for this word. We thank you for being able to praise you through song. We thank you for taking the time to be here, O Lord, to just dwell in your presence and rejoice, O Lord, in your goodness. We ask now, O Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts, our minds, and our spirits the word that you have for us this morning, that it will be just what we need from you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We often talk about being called to be servants, right? How many of you have heard that before? Being called to be a servant. We've heard that, right? It's nothing new to hear about that. But what is really meant when we talk about being called to be a servant? Because the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word servant is somebody bringing you your food. Or maybe a butler letting you in the door. When we think of servant, we think of somebody in the service industry, right? The waitress, the waiter, the stewardess on the plane, the people that are just helping make everything a little more comfortable for you or providing for one of your needs. But what do we mean by servant in the context of who Jesus Christ is as the servant of God? For you see, whenever I think of servant, I immediately get an image in my mind of Jesus. I immediately think of Jesus washing the disciples' feet before he's about to die for our sins. The minute I think of servant, I think of Jesus who instructed us to seek to serve and not to be served. The one who taught us that the first shall be last. The one who invites us to serve others as he has served us and loved us. 
So when I think of servant, I can't help but think about Jesus Christ. I can't help but think about his example. I can't help but think of all the things that he tried to teach us throughout his life and throughout his ministry about what it means to serve others and do for others before we seek for ourselves. I also know, however, that even when we have the best set of instructions available, we tend to be bad at following instructions. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of us have had instructions with pictures, illustrations, and steps numbered out perfectly, and we thought we could do better by just figuring it out ourselves? And we skipped a step or two and ended up with extra parts. You see, even when we have the best instructions, even when we have pictures and illustrations, even when God does everything to illustrate for us what it means to be a servant by sending us Jesus Christ, sometimes we have a hard time following the instructions. In our scripture this morning, Isaiah captures the vision of what God's chosen servant would be like. I mean, I equate it to having a step-by-step kind of list of all the different qualities that you should look for in a servant. Let's take them one by one. God's servant is his chosen. That means that God chose his servant, to be in service. How many of us think of ourselves as chosen by God to serve everybody else in this world? We don't think of ourselves that way, right? Do you know why we don't think of ourselves as chosen, as servants? Because we like to think of ourselves as chosen to be lords and masters and kings and rulers and in charge. Yet, we are told here that a servant is chosen by God to do what? To serve. When we think about Jesus in that context, Jesus was chosen to give his life for humanity. To bring us a way to be connected to the Father. To show us grace and love and forgiveness that we just didn't know. Second quality of a servant, God will uphold him. Throughout his ministry, Jesus was sustained by God the Father. Think about all of the times when he went out there and he encountered people that were in need and God sustained Jesus Christ through his power to do miracles of healing gave him the ability to speak with words of wisdom that brought people to the truth and continued to enable him to have direction throughout his ministry to know where to go and what to do. A servant is upheld by God. That means God is undergirding that servant. If we want to be servants of God, we can't do it through just our own power and our own strength. It requires God to uphold us in order for us to be able to achieve that. The third quality is that God delights in him. 
And the minute you hear that about a servant, that God delights in him, I'm going to ask you, do you think God delights in you? Because if you are God's servant, God delights in you. Do you remember Jesus' baptism and the words that were shared? This is my begotten son in whom I am what? Well pleased. God delights in his servants. When we are in the service of God, when we are trying to follow the instructions, when we are trying to live our lives for his kingdom, God delights in us. Does that mean that we always get it right? No. But it means that we are striving for that perfection in Christ. We are striving to be servants of the Most High. And when we do that, God delights in us. He is pleased with us even when we mess up at times, he still delights in us. The fourth quality of the servant is that God puts his spirit upon him. And immediately we think back to the baptism once more because what happened when Jesus was baptized? The Holy Spirit came down upon him in the form of a dove, signifying that the spirit of God was with Jesus and would be with him throughout his ministry. We also think about the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was given to the church to do what? To do greater things than Jesus had done in his own ministry. The Spirit of God has to be upon God's servants. We have to be Spirit-filled and Spirit-led if we're going to serve the Most High. The fifth quality of the servant is that the servant would come to bring justice to the nations. Now that sounds very grandiose. If I asked you today, are you bringing justice to the nations, you'd be like, whoa, 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 I can barely handle my neighborhood. <laughs> justice to the nations almost sounds like superhero stuff, right? It sounds something big. It sounds something on a grand scale. What does it mean when it talks about God's servant will bring justice to the nations? It is a statement that tells us that Jesus came not just for one nation or one group, but that he came for the whole world. He came not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles it means that in Jesus, the woman at the well has a chance. It means that in Jesus, the leper has an opportunity to be healed. It means that in Jesus, those who would normally not have had a shot, have a shot. Like the woman who was caught in adultery, and they were ready to stone her. In Jesus, they have justice they have an opportunity to come before God. So if you're God's servant, you have to show that same deference to other people. You have to be able to consider all people, and no matter where they come from or where, where they've been, whether they're male, female, Greek, or Jew, it doesn't matter before God as long as you share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. In his ministry, Jesus went to people that nobody else wanted to talk to because he was about justice for all the nations. 
The next quality of the servant is that the servant would cry out, would not cry out, or raise his voice on the street. Basically, what this is about is that he would not be a proclaimer of himself, but that he would always be pointing people towards God. Did you notice that Jesus was never about me, 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 me? He was always about the kingdom of God. He was always about connecting people to God the Father and letting them know that he could help them do that, that he could be that connection that they needed. You know, Jesus never screamed anybody down on the street. There was a gentleness about his ministry. In fact, the only people that he really got irritated at were the religious leaders, right? And those in power. Those are the people that he spoke truth to in justice. When people rejected Jesus, it would have been easy for them, for him to simply condemn them right there and say, you, you didn't get it, you're, you're damned. But that was just not Jesus' way. He showed humility and gentleness while telling them the truth. He had incredible patience, more than we have, right? Because we get turned down one time and immediately we want to cry out or tell people how wrong they are. But that wasn't Jesus' way. He tried to love people into a relationship with God. God's servant would show gentleness he will not break a bruised reed or quench a dimly burning wick. And what the statement is about is that he would show compassion for that which was failing. A dimming wick is failing, right? It's going out. And most of us would be like, yeah, put that thing out. It's, it's dying. It's no good. Barely putting out any light. Where we don't see potential in each other, God, through Jesus Christ, still sees potential for his light to shine. And he doesn't give up on us. So he continues to show mercy. He looked out and saw the crowd when they, were, they had listened to his message all day long, and he had compassion over them. The scripture says he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And he didn't want to just share a word with them. He wanted them fed. That was the feeding of the 5,000, you remember? That was compassion and gentleness. When Jesus looked out and saw a man on a tree, he could have easily kept going and just ignored the crazy man on the tree. Instead, he invited him to come down and said, I'll go and eat with you at your house because he knew that was a way that he would receive the good news. Others would have given up on tax collectors, on lepers, on people at the margins. But Jesus never gave up. He never gave up on people. God's servant faithfully brings forth justice. And you read that one and you start going, well, didn't we cover that about three steps back? Justice. But listen to what it says. It says, brings forth Justice. That means that Jesus would always speak truth to power. When he saw the religious authorities criticizing him for eating with sinners, when they criticized his disciples for not washing their hands, 
when they did all of these things to try to make themselves look good and oppress others, Jesus spoke forth truth and demanded justice. We are supposed to stand up for those who are afflicted. We are supposed to bring forth justice for everyone, not just for some, for everyone. Jesus was gentle, but he was not weak in his ministry. He was powerful. Think about it. He stood up for people that others would have never stood up for because they would have been afraid for their own safety. They would have been afraid for the, how many of you would have touched the leper? Knowing how deadly the disease was. How many of you would have stood by the woman who was caught in adultery? How many of us would have been wanted to be seen with the tax collector, much less eat with them? All of these things show us that Jesus' ministry was trying to bring people to the right way, and he wanted justice for the whole world. And I'm sure there must have been some very discouraging moments along the way for Jesus. Moments like when he was rejected in his own hometown, that must have been discouraging. Some of us would have packed it up then and gone home. Oh, somewhere else, because you were already home. What about when he was betrayed by one of his own disciples? That must have hurt. Quit then? All of these things that happened to Jesus would have probably brought us to quitting. But Jesus, as a servant of God, would not stop until his mission was complete. You see, the work of God's servant extends to the whole earth, reaching the coastlands. The gospel of Jesus needs to be preached and taught. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where? To the ends of the earth. The servant does what the servant can to proclaim this good news to everyone in every place so that it can reach those places where it hasn't been before. So it is easy to see that Jesus fulfills Isaiah's vision for what a servant of God is. Now you have to remember, this is written way before Jesus comes. This is way before he arrives on the scene. Isaiah is revealing to us in, in these verses what God had already planned to fulfill in Jesus Christ. But as we read verses 5 through 9, we discover that this was not Isaiah's vision for what a servant would be like. This was God's description of the Messiah that was already to come. So God was letting them know, this is what my son, but the servant, the Messiah, is going to be like. And God, the creator and the sustainer of all creation, the one who breathed spirit into the people on the earth and gave them life, was calling forth Jesus in righteousness, who would take his hand and be kept by him and sent to the world as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations. And look at all that he would do Open the eyes that are blind. 
Bring the prisoners from the dungeon and from the prison those who sit in darkness. That's a tall order for anybody. I don't care who you are. That's a lot for anybody to accomplish. Yet this is what Jesus was called to do. But this is not just the ministry of Jesus. It really is a call to those who would seek to be his servants, to be about the same things that Jesus was about. If we say we want to be more like Jesus, then what we're really saying is that we want to fashion our servanthood like the service of Jesus, that we want to follow his example, that we want to be light in the darkness to share Jesus with those who don't know him, who don't have a personal relationship with him, that we want to open the eyes of the blind, not the necessarily just the physical blind, but those that don't see what Jesus wants to be in their own lives and can't see that Jesus is calling them to that new life with him. We want to bring out the prisoners from the dungeons, and sometimes those dungeons are not physical. They might be mental. They might be spiritual. They might be emotional. They might be things that we can't even relate to because we haven't had those experiences, but they are being held captive by those things, and those things are keeping them from being free in Christ. And you and I are being called, if we want to be servants of Christ, to help free them from that. In the name of Jesus. We are to break out those who are in prison who sit in darkness. And when you read that, you wonder, well, didn't we just talk about people being released from dungeons? But notice the wording. People that sit in darkness. These are people that are in their sin and sitting in it and not looking to be released from it. They're simply remaining. They're in despair over their sin and they don't see any way out. And you and I have met people in that situation. We have met people that were just, ah, oh, there's no hope. I give up. I'm just going to be, be about my life the best I can and do for myself. And people live selfish lives because they're sitting in darkness and not seeing the light of Christ. We are being called to be servants like Jesus was a servant. And when I think about this, I think of a daddy teaching a child for the first time to walk. And how they grabbed the little hands. And I don't know if you remember this, but many daddies, for the first step, grabbed the little baby and put their feet on their feet. And then grabbed the hands. And when they walk, the baby takes a step. And then they take another step. And you look at the baby's face and they're just glowing because they're walking. They're celebrating because they're walking. But in reality, what are they doing? They're being taken to where they need to go by the daddy. And the daddy's holding the hands and they're, they're on the feet. And wherever the daddy steps, they step. And I want to tell you something. If we want to be servants of the Most High, we got to be stepping on Jesus' feet. We got to be holding on to the Father's hands. And we got to step where he steps. 
and we got to go where he goes. Because that's a better way to walk than any way we can come up with. There is no safer place to be than on the feet of Jesus and in the hands of God. This is servanthood in Jesus' fashion. Isaiah reminds us that we are servants of the Lord. And as such, we must give glory to him and not praise any other idols in our lives. You know, God doesn't want to be second. He doesn't want to be third. He doesn't want to be fourth. He doesn't want to be 1A or 1B. He wants to be one, period. He wants to have the first place. He wants us to truly serve him with everything that we have. And that means really surrendering our walk and our journey to him. And we can only do that if we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And it's so hard to do by ourselves that we can't. The only way to do it is to step on Jesus' feet and let him take us where we need to go. The Lord declared that he would do these things before they all came to pass. He told the people this was going to happen because he wanted them to understand when they saw Jesus that this was the servant of God that had been sent for them. You know, they were supposed to be able to identify him when he came. Yet they had their own visions of what the Messiah would be. And for many of them, it was a conquering hero. For many of them, it was a warrior king. For many of them, it was one who would de defeat their oppressors. And yet God was telling them that he would come as a suffering servant who would go to the cross and die for them. The expectations of us as servants are high. Because if we're fashioning our servanthood based on Jesus, then we're never comparing our walk with somebody else's. We're trying to live up to the stature of Christ. And that is a very high calling to be a servant of God like Jesus served God. But that is what we are being called to do, to truly serve him as Jesus did. So how do we do that? Well, for us to be servants of the Lord, then we need to look at the description of what Jesus was as a servant. We need to have the spirit of God. We need to let him uphold us and lift us up. We need to be humble and gentle in our ministry. We need to be unending in our desire for justice and righteousness. We need to be about all people, knowing God and being saved through Jesus Christ. And we need to continue to battle the darkness with the light of Christ and inviting people to step on the feet of Jesus and to grab on to the hands of God to walk in newness of life. For us to be servants of Jesus, we will need to help those who are imprisoned by their sin, their guilt, their shame, 
their past mistakes and their regrets so that they can experience the freedom that only comes through Jesus Christ. It's amazing that the most free we can be is by holding tightly to God's hands. That's the freest we can ever be because then we can walk in newness of life in Christ and to be a servant of God finally is to be all about Jesus because there is no other name on earth or in heaven by which we can be saved. I pray that we want to fashion our servanthood on Jesus' example. There is no better one for us to follow. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you because with this word you are calling us to be more like Jesus, to truly understand that servanthood is all about fashioning ourselves after the image the mind, the heart of Christ. We ask you on this day that you will help us, O oh Lord, to continue to bring out the captives from their prisons, to continue to shine your light into the darkness all around us, to continue, O oh Lord, to teach and to preach the gospel, which is good news to the whole world. Help us on this day to bring before you all those things that keep us from being servants of the Most High. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open if we want to come up for prayer that we might be free to step on Jesus' feet and to grab God's hands and to walk in newness of life.